Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Dave Somerville. How are you, Dave? Oh, I'm fantastic. Just enjoyed the NFL the weekend so much, but I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, week six is in the bag, in yeah. the books we might say, and we're going to be covering all the games from week six, we're then uh, of course going to have a rapid fire week seven preview, and of course we will have random stats, but Dave, uh, just before we jump into the scores of week six, uh, I mean obviously you don't Los Angeles Rams, you know, mm-hmm. they had another win, but my Denver Broncos, yeah, <laughs> it didn't work. Uh, we're oh. going to be talking about that later on. That was obviously the Monday night game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm throwing the five-minute timer out the window. <laughs> the the My lovely wife and the dog are out of the house. So it's just, <laughs> just me and you, oh. Dave. Just oh. me and you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. So what we're going to do, is, uh, that, that'll be later on, of course. We're going to start with, of course, the Thursday night game, the Washington Commanders at the Chicago Bears. And the Commanders came away with a 12-7 win. These Thursday night games, they've, they've not been good for the, how to put it, impartial viewer. They really haven't been. I've I've struggled to, to watch some of these Thursday night games, even, even the Broncos game. I struggled to watch that. What did you make of this one? I think Stevie Wonder was complaining about watching this game. Uh, it was, that's just that that this, this was. I mean, you know, obviously the Broncos Colts game was a poor game. Like from my point of view, it was really, really poor. I, I did not enjoy it at all. This game just kicked that into the sideline. That was one of the worst games I've ever had to witness. I, I, I obviously, I, I stayed up to watch as much of it as I could didn't last very long because I was struggling come halftime. I was nodding off. I think they had the um, commanders had just kicked a field goal at that point. I was just like, oh, th- finally, thank God something has happened in this game that is just not Justin Fields throwing to absolutely nobody. It was painful to watch. But um, yeah, the, I mean, the Bears came back. Uh, they, they were 7-3 up uh, going into the fourth quarter. Um, Pettis with the touchdown pass, which was a, it was a good good throw, sort of, by Fields and a good catch. Um, but then, you know, straight out of the blocks into the fourth quarter, we got a field goal for the Commanders and then a touchdown run halfway through with about seven, seven minutes roughly left. Um, and yeah, it was just the Bears error after error. That again, the run game really came together for the Bears. They just could not get the ball over the line. They just decided to go with Justin Fields in the in these critical moments and absolutely annihilated themselves. Oh, it was poor. But you know, the Commanders they just couldn't throw the ball at all. It was that about eighty six yards or something on total offense. And yeah, it, it, it was, was. It was a bad game. We we can't be around the bush. It was bad. It was bad, a really bad game. And, um, you know, next week, the Commandos there taking on the Green Bay Packers, the Bears next week. I mean, you know, they've got the Patriots in New England. It's just, you, you look at these two teams, you've got to wonder where anything's going to come from. I think the Commanders, they've got more hope going forward. The, if uh-huh. you're a Bears fan, oh my goodness, that's that that's that was rough to watch and unfortunately really not showing any signs of improving so we're then going to move on to one of the most exciting games of the weekend it was absolutely fantastic the indianapolis colts uh, and the jacksonville jaguars in jacksonville and the colts came away with a 34 27 win and this game was 
entertaining, really entertaining. There was over 800 yards of total offense in this game and it was backwards and forwards. I thought the Jaguars were going to hold on, but they just couldn't manage it. Colts come away with a 34-27 win. Dave, over to you. I mean, they had a... The, the Jags were, what, 14-3 uh, up, um, yeah. you know, early on in the game. And they see they were doing pretty well. I mean, they seemed to come out the blocks uh, in the first and second quarter fairly well. Into the third quarter, they did exactly the same thing. You know, Trevor Lawrence getting his second touchdown run of the game. Uh, and then they just... A, f- a few things just started going wrong at that point. The Colts didn't do a whole lot right. They They didn't want to run the ball at, uh, pretty much at all. Uh, Matt Ryan nearly threw for 400 yards in the game, which was pretty incredible, but the Jags got their running game. It was complete opposite, basically. Trevor Lawrence didn't really run the ball. Uh, sorry, didn't really throw the ball, but he did. Ru- uh, they did rush a lot. They rushed for well over 200 yards. Um, it's a weird game. Uh, it was one of these games where you weren't <laughs> really sure how it was going to end, but Trevor Lawrence was seeing a lot of the ground as well. Um, I think it was four sacks that he might have picked yeah, up. Yeah, um, he, he got hit quite a few times in this game. And the, mm-hmm. the other thing that I noticed, I, w- I was really quite annoyed because I was uh, sort of rooting for the, the Jaguars in this one. Yeah. And they did the, the same thing that we've seen so many teams do now, where the running game's working in the first half, and then they sort of start to come away from it. And so you're thinking, what are you doing? This, this uh-huh. is working. If you're going for five yards on first down and four yards on second down, third and one, and all of a sudden they're throwing the ball, stop that. Stop, stop throwing the ball. If you're gashing them for four and five yards of carry, keep doing that. So I, I have to admit, uh-huh. I was a wee bit annoyed at that because I was rooting for the Jaguars, but the Colts come from behind victory and uh, they looked pretty good. Matt Ryan had a much better game, I thought. Um, yeah. y- you look at... The, the stats that Matt Ryan put up, 58 attempts, 42 of 58, 389 yeah. yards. He said three touchdowns. He wasn't sacked in this game and he looked really good. But it does appear that Jacksonville were awesome at running, couldn't throw, and the mm-hmm. exact opposite was with the Colts. That through yeah. the air they were doing it all, and the ground game just really nothing. Only um, what was it? Uh, Dion Jackson, I forgot his name there for a second. Uh, Twelve for forty-two, and Philip Lindsay three attempts, seven yards. So they really struggled on the ground, the Colts, but they came away with the win, and that's the most important thing. So we then move on to the New England Patriots at the Cleveland Browns. And the Patriots just put it to the Browns. Obviously, Bill Belichick wanting to stick it to his old team once again uh, by a score of 38-15. Dave, did you watch this one? What did you think? You know what? I did watch this one, actually. And I was it, it was just peak Bill Belichick. It was his game all the way. But the Browns, throughout the game, shot themselves in the foot. And I, I will tell you why. Because what, what if you, right now, in this season... What would you think is the strength of the Browns? You tell me. Well, the running game. The running, running game, game. And, exactly. and, and the pass rush on, on the defensive side. But offensively, yes. the running game, definitely. Offensively, the running game. You've got Nick Chubb, you've got Kareem Hunt. Yep. So, very first quarter, the first two plays, what do they come out? They come out with five wide receivers in the first play. Didn't do much on that. The second play... Uh, What's his name? Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. throws it into double coverage. 
picked off. And they just they did not establish any kind of run game. When they did run the ball, they were pretty successful. And I don't understand what the game plan was there. Because every time they ran the ball, they picked up good yardage, which is what you'd expect from Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt didn't really run the ball that much, but... You know, it was Nick Chubb looked really good and they just did not let him run. But they got themselves into a hole and almost went straight into panic mode. Um, because after, I think it was in the second quarter, after Stevenson ran in for a touchdown uh, to make it, I think it was 10 3 at that, or to 9 3, 10 3. Um, they just seemed to, again, annihilate themselves and end up just throwing it constantly, constantly. The amount of drop passes. From the the Browns receivers, I think I counted six or seven that were you definite gotta catch those. Um, in in the first in the first half, um, I think it was um Parker, the wide receiver for the Patriots, made a flying catch, just leaped over the cornerback to grab the ball. It was one of the best catches of the weekend. It was brilliant. Uh, Amai Cooper with an amazing touchdown as well. Um. They they threw, I think there was three or four really deep balls that the Jacoby Brissett threw. Two of them were picks, right? So I don't know what the, the thinking was behind them because he was throwing it into well-covered players and just hoping for the best. And they were getting picked off. I think they were both double coverage that so he got picks on. Um, there was a big load of penalties as well in the first half. I mean, the first quarter alone... The Browns had seven penalties for 63 yards. Um, uh, sorry, no, no, sorry. I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. Um, the the Patriots had six penalties in the first half. Um, and then, again, they got another couple more. They were giving up penalty yards, letting the Browns back into the game. And you can just see Belichick on the sidelines. Just a few big puffs of steam coming out every single time a flag is thrown against the Patriots. And... You know they're one. They're they're actually becoming one of the most heavily heavily penalised teams, which is but, which um, is not um, not indicative of a Bill Belichick led team. Well, when his motto is "Do your job," mm-hmm. you know that, how many times we see it, we've heard it and what we've seen it. But um, yeah, it was a poor poor game for the Browns. They did themselves no justice whatsoever, and yeah, they ended up rushing collectively for only about seventy yards in the game. I think when you're saying, you know, what's the what's the idea behind that? Personally, looking at, I think Kevin Stefanski was trying to be cute, and he was trying to say, um, "Oh, we know Bill Belichick knows that we've got arguably the best running game in the league, so we'll we'll come out throwing." And that. Belichick's seen it all; he's seen it and done it and beaten it. You, mm-hmm. There's no point if you if your team has a strength. You need to play to that strength because, yes, you know for a fact that Bill Belichick, as any defensive-minded coach worth a salt will do, is going to zone in to stop that running attack of the Browns. You know this. But they're mm-hmm. not going to do that and forget about the passing game. Yeah, exactly. As I say, he's been there, done it. He's not just going to you know, put 11 men in the box and leave your wide receivers open. That's not going to happen. You cannot do that. Play to your strengths. Talking of strengths... Bailey Zappi. What wow. a, yes, what a game. 20, wow. <laughs> 24 of 34, 309 yards, two touchdowns, a rating of 118.4. Do we have a quarterback controversy in New England? 
Um, is not it, yet. It, no. Not yet. What? What? At what point? If If he goes on, look at what's happened in Dallas. Okay, Cooper Rush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One. What was it? Three games. Four games with Dak yeah. being out. There's rumors. There's talk. It could be a quarterback. Court. And this is in Dallas. Yeah. I, I think I think if, with Cooper Rush, I think the um, the game that will come on to that happened this week might have kind of hurt his chances a lot. Possibly, but there is still yeah. the, the rumors are there. You know, there's whisperings going on. There's there's no uh, smoke without fire. Absolutely no. And Bailey Zappi, if he if he has another couple of games like this, I think I think Mac Jones is going to be. Uh, I'm not going to say in trouble. Not going to say in trouble, but definitely, you know, looking over his shoulder. Worried, yeah. And yeah, he's going to have some definite worries. Zappi, mm-hmm. he looked tremendous. The one thing that I would, it's not a knock against Zappi, but the one thing I've noticed for some of his passes, sort of the intermediate passes, he tends to put a lot of air under these balls. Mm. A lot of rainbows instead of on a line. Bullets, yeah, yeah. instead of bullets, yeah. And no, now, don't, now, don't get me wrong, this boy's got touch. We've seen it. Uh, I mean, you know, the numbers are there. 24 to 34, 309 yards. He, he can put the ball where he wants it. I think the problem is there is certain defences, certain defensive players who will be looking at these and saying, he is just skying some of these passes and we're going to get eight interceptions when we play him. If he does that kind of thing. Now, this, this will get coached out of him. This is just the way he's throwing it at the moment. But you're seeing some sort of 20-yard passes with a lot of hang time. You think, mm-hmm. yeah, can't, can't do that too much. But do you know what? Came away with a win and the boy looked good. And as I say, a rating of 118.40. Totally outplayed Jacoby Brissett. So good for you, Bailey Zappi. Yeah. So I think moving on there, we come to the next game. And it was the Atlanta Falcons. And the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> and I, I knew that you had a vested interest in this one, Dave. So I won't talk too long about it. The Falcons came away with a 28-14 victory. Dave, this one is all yours. Oh, wow. What a shame. Couldn't happen to a nicer organization that I have no bias against whatsoever. But I tell you what, 49ers did not. At once, for one quarter, they looked good, which would be the second quarter. However, after that, Things did not go well, and I would be worried in San Francisco if I was a 49er fan. Now, the Falcons, on the other hand, looked improved. And, you know, it's hard hard to look bad against the Falcons, but somehow the 49ers managed to do it. Um, Mariota didn't really throw the ball. Uh, I think it was, what, 13? But when he did throw the ball, really successful. And he ended up getting two touchdowns as well. He, yeah, and well, actually, I tell you, I tell you what, he also ran in for a touchdown. He so, still, he still got wheels. He's got wheels. He's got an arm that's week to week accurate. Um, he's he was thirteen and fourteen, hundred twenty nine yards, two touchdowns. So every time he threw the ball and was completed, it was roughly a first down each time on average. Um, they they ran the ball a lot as well. Um, I think it was something like 33, 34 carries. Um, and picking up about 120 yards. Um, you know, it, Cal Pitts was found a couple times, three for 19, and obviously one of the touchdowns went mm-hmm. to Cal Pitts. Yep. Um, and yeah, Drake London again coming in with three receptions, 40 yards. But I mean, they they went they they didn't run 
The 49ers are a run-first team. I said that so many times, but did they run it? Not really. They, they got 14, 14 carries for, I think it was something along the lines of 40 yards, maybe? Um, yeah, it was just, it was poor. It was really poor. And Jimmy G, 29-41, 296 touchdowns. But, again, he's just not doing, he's just not doing it at the critical enough times. Uh, or when he when he is completing the passes, but the Falcons stepped up. It was an impressive performance from a rubbish team, <laughs> and it, let's not get away from it. The 49ers, for one quarter, looked good. They they had to play catch up from the first quarter because twice. Uh, I, I mean, the, there was the turnover that they um, they took back for the touchdown. Falcons go fourteen zero up at, towards the end of the first quarter, but in the first quarter they were fourteen nil down. Ayuk goes in twice in the second quarter in the space of about four or five minutes. Then Mariota, with less than a minute in the second quarter, goes in to put them 21-14 up, uh, going into the half. And then Cal Pitts was touched down about midway through the third quarter. There was nothing else in the game. The 49ers were poor. I wish they played like that against the Rams because we would rack up about 60 points against them. It was just awful for most of the 49ers fan just a big shout out as well to one of our own 49ers fan big Ennis mclean he tweeted on twitter at the time that he was worried when the falcons went 14 mil up but as he said himself because it's falcons he wasn't bothered at all and he wasn't worried at all well there you go falcons wow. doing a wow. with the 49ers doing a falcons and just lying down so falcons flying high against 49ers shots fired a poor Ennis there that's shocking <laughs> behavior what did he ever do to you? Okay, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on. And uh, Dave, before we uh, talk about the next game, I'm gonna cast your mind back and uh-huh. see if you can uh, you can remember this. Uh, the Giants have a better record than the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if they played each other tomorrow, <laughs> they could play each other a hundred times. There's no way the Giants are beating the Ravens. Well, do you know why I say that? But I'll, I'll come back to that later on. This, this year, I, you never know. This year, I'll, I'll come back to that later on, actually. The Giants are starting to show up, and I'm t- taking the Giants in this one. You, you take the Giants and go 5-1. and one. I am, Did and I, I can't li- believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> what did you make of that, Dave? Giants, Ravens, Giants come away. 24-20 winners. You called it. I mocked you. Hands, you know, holding up my hands. I was wrong. You were right. I have no idea what happened in this game. Do you know what happened in this game? Uh, I mean, there's a few pointers. Um, some, <laughs> one of the signs of the apocalypse happened that Justin Tucker missed a field goal. He, he did. Uh, he, he did. He missed that at the end of the first quarter. So, huh? <laughs> what I, was, I was absolutely gobsmacked. I don't remember the last time I was so surprised at a play, um, a field goal attempt. When, when he missed that, I was just looking at it. And, you know, I, I was watching the red zone. I was watching on Sky. Mm-hmm. So I I rewound it. <laughs> and I watched it again. Like, <laughs> I don't think, there's no way. So I'll watch that again. And he missed it again, even on the replay. I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Because I thought this is Justin Tucker. He probably makes it if I rewatch it a second time. 
But no, he, he missed a field goal. Wow. <laughs> Looking for a penalty flag that's not there. There must something must be wrong. <laughs> He's just kicked the ball away. Ah, I kept it right. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, Lamar mm, didn't have the best game. Um, yeah, he's seven carries for seventy-seven yards on the on the ground. Seventeen or thirty-two throwing, and he got uh, one touchdown, one reception, racked up two hundred ten yards, but he just wasn't really looking very comfortable against the Giants there. And you know, uh, the 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 Giants on the other side, Daniel Jones. Again, looks fairly decent. 1927, only 173 yards, but two touchdowns. Saquon Barkley was hit a lot early, but then his yards after first contact, you know, he always got that extra couple of yards, mm -hmm. always got mm -hmm. that extra couple of yards. So he was saving it, extending the play as best he could. Um, you know, getting 22 carries for 83 yards, one touchdown, um, and got, uh, three receptions for 12 yards as well. But Daniel Jones coming up at the vital moments. But the Giants, that four, the fourth quarter, it, I mean, they were 13-10 they were thir down going into the fourth quarter. Now, they did it against the Packers as well. They just seemed to come together. The fitness and the determination to win was just all there. And, you know, they at, at I think going into, well, I, I say going into it, with about seven minutes left, I think they were down, was it 17 points to 10, I think so, it was. Yeah. Or, 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 yeah, sorry, it, no, it was, um, was it? It was, it was tw 20 to 10. 20 to 10, 20 that's to what 10, it was. the Ravens yeah. were, were, were winning this game. Now, mm -hmm. the thing is with the Ravens, I, I've said it time and time again, I watch this Ravens team and I always say, do you know what, I'm I'm not worried. Yeah. that That's what I say, I'm not worried. But the reality is, they had a 10-point lead with six minutes to go in the game. Mm -hmm. Okay? And they lost the game. Against Buffalo, they had a, you know, 17-point lead. Was it, I think it was 20 to 3. Just, just going into the half or something like that. And yeah, they, it, they, yeah. they lost that game. Against, against yeah. Miami. <laughs> mm -hmm. Against Miami, they had a 21-point lead going into the fourth quarter and they lost that game this is unheard of for one of the most stable franchises in the entire NFL you know when they've got a 10 point lead you might as well phew, game's over they're not going to give up a 10 point lead or a 17 point lead they're not going to give up a 21 point lead going into the fourth quarter They've done this three times this year. The, the Ravens are three and three. And all three losses, they have given up huge leads. Now, you can say 10 points, not a huge lead. It is when the six minutes to go and you're playing the New York Giants. Mm -hmm. No offense to the Giants. But I think their record is still flattering them. I, I think that. They had no business winning this game. But they did. And I'm starting to worry about the Baltimore Ravens. I still think Lamar Jackson can be the MVP of this league uh, this year. He can. Uh, Mark Andrews is one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the entire NFL. Yeah. Um, top three or four, I'd have him in there. You've mm -hmm. got by far and away the best kicker in the NFL. Not even close. And, you know, they're supposed to have a good defense. Where's this defense gone? Dave, I mean, what do you think of this? Are you worried about the Ravens? Worried 
Uh, I'm worried about the Ravens, but more closely, I'm worried about Lamar Jackson. I, 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 Lamar's had to pull out the stops in all the all these close games. He's and he's been put under pressure every single time. Now, as a franchise quarterback, you should you, that that's that's your job. It's part. It's it's in the resume. You should be able to do it. He's done it a couple times, but. When he has been, when he has been able to do it, I mean, the game that they won against the Patriots, um, they were what thirty points to twenty six up, uh, late on in the fourth quarter, and then Lamar Jackson, uh, with that big run, what was it? I think it was against the Patriots with that ma- massive run, he had to do that himself. Now that they almost did exactly the same in that game, the Patriots were prowling coming back. The only game that they had that was kind of more convincing was against the Jets. Now every single mm-hmm. game has been really close. All every game except the Patriots ended within four points. So, you know, they're not giving themselves enough room. The comebacks are happening. They've happened what one in every two games this year already. And against a, a Giants team who no one knows how they're five and one. No <laughs> nobody whatsoever knows how no. they are five and one. No. I mean they they're just the key players are staying healthy, which is good for them. I don't think you can call Daniel Jones a key player just yet. Um, but, you know, you've got Saquon, who's he's, he's done enough and he's extend, just getting those extra couple of yards, like I was saying earlier. But we spoke about the Ravens last week and that they were doing it again and again. Yeah. And they, they nearly did it against the Bengals. They, they were, they, remember, it was, what, 158 uh, to go when Joe Burrow uh, ran in for that touchdown. And then the extra point that went over the post, which was given as the extra point, which went 17-16. Without Justin Tucker for the last-minute kick, they would have lost that game. Yeah. So that would have been four out of six games that they would have lost late on after leading. So something's wrong. The defense doesn't look great. They've got some. They've got a couple injuries, but nothing huge. They've got some good cornerbacks. They've got a defensive, a, a, a decent defensive line. I'm not sure. There's not one thing that I would point to, but I'm worried that Lamar Jackson is. There's too much being put on him. It's it's like if you've got an offensive line, say for say for example, and I know I'm bringing it back to my team, but look at the Rams. If you've got an offensive line that just can't do its job, the the quarterback's going to struggle. Lamar Jackson is exactly the same. He barely he, he barely threw for fifty percent um, completion rate, and struggled for most of the game. So. I don't know. Can you uh, do? You, do you have any idea? Do you know? I don't. This is the thing. I I watched the the Ravens Giants game uh, mm-hmm. later on. I so I say I watched it on Red Zone. I then watched it later on on the the Monday, and I'm, it's it's bizarre. It's a strange thing watching this team play. Every it seemed like the Ravens were just by by far and away the better team. It, that's what mm-hmm. it looked like watching it, but they didn't win. And and it's I don't know if it's the defense giving up crucial scores and runs and they they really did, but I'm not I can't put it on the defense because as you've already alluded to, Lamar did not get the job done. But it looks like he's trying to do everything. Now we all said um, the whole contract situation with Lamar. Lamar's betting yeah. on himself here. We need to wait and see what's actually going to happen because if the Ravens go on a skid and they might lose maybe another two or three, or four games, that's not going to look good for Lamar. And I I still, I, I, I've not lost any faith in him. I'm just thinking about, you know, the perception of, what have you done for me lately? 
That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking of there. But I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Huge upset win for the Giants. Fair play to them. And talking of huge upset wins, Dave, my goodness, another New York team. You called it last week. We did the it. The New York Jets against the Green Bay Packers. Not many people gave them a hope, but my goodness, they went in and they punched the Packers clean in the mouth. Oh my word. The the Packers couldn't get anything done on the ground. Um, The the Jets' defense looked fantastic. And this Braxton Berrios is just, he's a fantastic player. He didn't get a lot of actual plays. Um, He only got one pass for six yards, but he Mm -hmm. did have that, that rushing touchdown. And the special teams, special teams came out, but they just kept hitting the Packers and hitting them until the point of Aaron Rodgers just looked, he, he, it's almost like he didn't know where to go with the ball at times. He took four sacks. He was beaten up all day. Jordan Love came in um, <laughs> through a few passes as well. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on? The Jets come away with the win, 27-10 over the Packers. Dave, what do you reckon? I mean, I want to highlight one player. Um, now, obviously, you talked about Barrios, but I want to highlight Brees Hall because I, I, I spoke about him a little, uh, briefly last week. Yeah. He, the, the, the young running back for the Jets, 20 carries for 116 yards, one touchdown, and then he also had two receptions for five yards out, out the backfield. He was amazing. What a find he was for the Jets. He, he played amazing. The, 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 the Packers just could not stop the run whatsoever. Now, we I think it was 24-17 that we predicted, or something along those lines that we predicted for this Dramash podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we both thought, yeah, we're, we're just going to add to our streak of loss after loss after loss. Oh, no, the Jets come, and the Jets beat the Packers. Well done to the New York Jets. And they're 4-2. The Giants are 5-1. This is what, you know, I can't remember who I said it to. Welcome back, 2005. Mm-hmm. This is just absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And the thing is, though, the pack it was three three all uh, at the half, and it was a poor first half. You know, by by both sides, especially on offense. Zach Wilson did not have a good game. So it, it, obviously, ten of eighteen for 110 yards. They didn't really throw it very much. They they called. I think it was something along the lines of 32, 33 run uh, rushing plays. Mm-hmm. You know, it worked, and it worked to the point that they beat the Packers. Um, that they, they nearly got double the amount of rushing yards that they got passing yards. Um, the Packers, like you said, they couldn't get anything done in the run game. Uh, A.J. Dillon, 10 carries, 41. Aaron Jones, 9 for 19, an yeah. average of 2.1. That's horrible to mm. see. Um, but I think the um, after we obviously know that Randall Cobb, uh, went down uh, in the game. Uh, I think he. Uh, there's a chance that he's out for a period of time. Um, so what Rodgers decided to do was pretty much target uh, Robert Tonyan, his tight end, quite a lot. He got 10 carries for 90 yards. Uh, Al- uh, Alan Lazard got in for the only throwing touchdown of Aaron Rodgers. The only thing Rodgers did do right was not throw the ball away. However, he was sacked four times. And the ball was fumbled during the game as well. It's a good few penalties for each side. But on third down, both teams were horrific. 
Packers four four converted for 16, uh, 16 attempts. The Jets one of eleven. It was poor, and the Packers kept going for it on fourth down. One of four conversions. So the Jets wind up every time with good field position. It, it, I mean, I'm not quite sure what's going on. We did say we were quite worried about the Packers, or I said that they were, yeah. I was worried about the Packers, yep. that the Vikings and the Lions would catch up to them. The Lions kind of threw that out the window in, in the last couple of weeks, but we don't want to talk about them. We want to talk about the Packers. <laughs> so completely, you know, it's self-harming themselves. Look, Packers are 3-3, three and three. Jets march on 4-2. and two. They certainly do indeed. And then we come to the Cincinnati Bengals at the New Orleans Saints. And this game, my goodness, this game in Caesar Superdome. And it was, the Saints were ahead. The Saints were winning. And the Bengals come away with the final score of 30-26. to 26. I, I thought the Saints were going to do it. Um, after uh, Will Lutz had put in his... Uh, field with 37-yard field goal in the third quarter put them up 23-14 to 14, um, over the Cincinnati Bengals and even when Jamar Chase uh, caught a touchdown pass from Joe Burrow uh, Will Lutz added another field goal to make 26-21 but they just could not keep the Bengals and specifically Jamar Chase at bay yet again unfortunately for the Saints um, Dave, the, the Bengals are looking a bit better Saints they played well, but there's there are some definite cracks in that team. Uh, yeah, there are. Um, Andy Dalton returning to the Bengals, uh, returned to face the Bengals, did not have a good game. It was 17 of 32 for 162 yards, one touchdown. He didn't throw the ball away. Probably the only difference between him and James uh, Winston is that he's quite good at not throwing the ball away, but he's maybe not as accurate as well when he is throwing. Um, Alvin Kamara, you know, came back. He was a ninety-nine yards from nineteen carries. Um, Melvin Ingram, nine carries, forty-six yards. It was. Yeah, they, I, I they feel did bad rush, for the Saints. They rushed the ball well, New Orleans. They, they did, they did, but you, without without a throwing game as well uh, against a team like the Bengals, you are going to lose. I, it was it was probably a bit closer than what it could have been. Uh, Burrows throwing for 300 yards he looked great Joe Burrows looked like last season's Joe Burrows um, and he's 28-37 300 yards, 3 touchdowns uh, he also rushed in for a touchdown as well so that took his uh, touchdown total to 4 for the day Jamar Chase you know, that is his favourite target 7 receptions, 132 yards 2 touchdowns yeah, they, the Bengals couldn't really... They, they didn't rush that much, in fairness. Um, it's only, only got about 70, 75 yards from about 10, 10 carries, really. And I think Burroughs uh, rushed a couple as well, and they were more broken passing plays. So, yeah, it was... Uh it was a, it was an interesting game. I feel bad for the Saints. The Saints should be doing a lot better. But um, just looking online, also on Twitter, it looks like Taysom Hill could be lining up uh, as there is injuries for Andy Dalton and James Winston Ooh. still. So I don't know if that's going to be a good or bad thing. It brings the wild cards. Um, su- well, I say surprise with Taysom Hill there. You're always going to be looking for the wild card uh, going to be there. Um, but they're up against a, car- a poor Cardinals team right now. I really hope they get something done just to see if they can save their season. Yeah. And uh, moving on, we then come to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Dave, I don't know if you've got a calendar there. Um, do you have a calendar? <laughs> I don't, you know what? Do you I don't really. No? Okay, well, no. if you've got a diary, what I need you to do is go to Sunday, the 16th of October, and I no. need you to circle that one in red. <laughs> 
because for the first time in in memory for me for the first time that I can remember Tom Brady's defense did not bail him out <laughs> with a couple of minutes to go they did not get him the ball back they did not get the Steelers off the field in some long third down situations now can you pick a start of the game he went out injured Mitch Trubisky came in and delivered and on that final drive to kill the to kill the game um Trubisky definitely delivered some fantastic passes there I was convinced absolutely convinced that something was going to happen the Bucks defense would get a turnover they'd get a stop Breed would get the ball back down by two and he'd Go down, march in, kick a field goal, and that would be it. And we'd all be uh, going on with how great Tom Brady is again. Uh, but he didn't, because he never got the ball back. And the Steelers came away with a 20-18 to win after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers failed another two-point conversion. Now, here's the thing, Dave. Here's another thing I should say. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady hasn't been... He doesn't practice Wednesdays. I think we, we, we were all aware of this fact. Tom Brady, yeah, that's, that's because he listens yeah. to us on Wednesday. Now, so he's listening to the home <laughs> show. Um, but he doesn't practice Wednesdays. Um, I understand he wasn't a, he didn't travel with the team. Is that connect? Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, and when one of the Buccaneers players went down, injured, he was um, warming up. He was practicing on the field. With one of his own players, I think it was. I did was see down that. injured. Now. Tom Brady then has the absolute audacity to start yelling at his offensive linemen mm-hmm. on the sidelines. He's, he's basically a part-timer at this point. Yeah. Now, six rings, I don't care. You don't do that. You don't do that. He should, you know, Tom Brady's been in the league for 20 centuries. I forget how many years it is. A long, at long this point, time. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to grow up. He really does. This is, I don't know, this seems like every week now he's throwing a tantrum. Every week he's throwing a tantrum. Do you know what? If you get, up, get on with it. Uh-huh. Everyone has a bad day. Everyone, you know, misses a block. Everyone has an, an off day or a, a bad play. Get on with it. This, this, this video that I saw of him like screaming at his offensive line. <laughs> These guys have been practicing all week. What have you been doing? Don't blame other people. Stop blaming other people for your own shortcomings. Tom Brady did be- not play well in this game. No, he didn't. No, no he, didn't. he didn't. And it, it was, it was t- what, tw- it's looking at his stats, 25 of 40 for 243 yards and a touchdown. Now, he was lucky that he got 25 because yep. I think so some of the throws were quite questionable as well. Um, oh, so- he, he was throwing balls into the dirt. Like, he, <laughs> honestly, like... <laughs> I don't even like know. It's like he was trying to condition the soil. I, he was throwing the ball into the ground. Some of the receivers are having to go down so low to get some of these passes. Uh-huh. It was it have was you, awful. Have you ever seen well, the the film the film series of uh, Final Destination? The, you know when you have a premonition. Uh, right. Okay. Oh, so oh. I've seen I've seen the one where the plane explodes. Right. Yes, that's the first yes. one, isn't it? Yes, that's the first one. Uh, so and, that, the, that's, oh, and the second one. Right now, the second one has made everyone who's ever seen that film terrified of driving on motorways. And then you see a, a lorry up ahead of you. Yeah. With, logs with, with on, the logs. With the logs. That's the yeah. one. So yes. every, anyone who's not seen Final... That's the second one, isn't it? Final Destination uh, 2? 
I can't remember. I, I mean, I, I lost count. So anyone who's not seen that will not understand the fear that people who have seen that have when they're on the motorway and they're driving behind one of these lorries. The fear. or, or And you, you try and overtake it as quickly as possible. I, I need to get yep. past this. I've got to get past this. Because <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's how you make a... Uh, I wouldn't call it a horror film. Is, that, is it supposed to be a horror film? Um, I, I don't know, but um, I mean, that that's but, uh, pretty much Tom Brady's uh, season right now is a horror film. Yeah, sorry, we kind of, <laughs> went, off, kind of went off topic there. Yeah, yeah, yeah carry but, on, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but th- this is what I mean, though. That he's, he's just trying to get the ball away, just get it away from me before someone touches me because he's so fragile in his old age now. I, I genuinely think that he's he's had taken a few hits this year already. He took two against Steelers in that game. And I, I genuinely think that he is just trying to get the ball away as quickly as possible. Whether I, I, was just shocked or not. I was just shocked that flags weren't thrown him on the sacks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, I, I think they, they may have taken a bit. The, the, offici- the, the officiatings, the officials may have taken a little bit of thought at the end and thought, hmm. Well, it was pretty clean. Even though it's Tom Brady, we, we're going to look even worse uh, if we do this. But you know, not not that the officials are uh, they have any standards at all in following the rules or whatever. But yeah, Tom Brady, the demise of Tom Brady. It's it's not so much a horror, but more turning into a horror comedy at this point for us. So I'm for, for me, it's a dream it. come true. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it. Mitch well I mean Kenny Pickett didn't do much when he was on so no. I I mean 11 of 18 for 67 yards and a touchdown um but Mitch he, I mean he had to do something because the run game just was non-existent really you're picking up a few dribs and drabs of yardage but Clayton Claypool he he was he was fantastic sorry Chase Claypool what, Chase I don't know Claypool. Clayton Claypool Chase no Claypool idea. yeah no idea seven of seven receptions 96 yards one touchdown he got the rush for eight yards as well yeah, that huge you know, was, catch on the final drive. Yes, and you, you saw how it, pumped did, he was. Did he have? Did he? Did he catch both those third down passes? I'm not sure. He did. The, the, the Steelers are two third and longs, and Chase Claypool definitely yeah. got one of them, like right on the sidelines. What a catch! And as I was saying, that it was at that point when I'm going, this is where the Buccaneers turned the Steelers over. That's what I, I thought was going to happen because Tom Brady is inevitable, but it didn't work. The narrative has been changed. <laughs> and you, I love it. You, that is true, but also a, a big shout out as well to Cameron Hayward, who I st- who I still think is one of the best edge rushers in the league. Who did yeah. get who, who pressured Tom Brady numerous times, and he did actually get him for a sack as well. Yeah, great player. So then, moving on, we have the Minnesota Vikings at the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins' quarterback woes continue. Um, they've just had no luck, really. Um, Skylar Thompson was in, Teddy Bridgewater was in, um, and neither of them, despite the fact that Teddy Bridgewater put up some nice numbers, he uh-huh. did throw two interceptions, unfortunately. Kirk Cousins did what Kirk Cousins does, 20-30, 175 yards, two touchdowns, pretty standard stuff, not bad, not great, but just enough, the Vikings won, 24-16 over the Dolphins. Dave, what did you take away from this one? Well, it was um, Thompson that started. Uh, I think he got injured. So the Dolphins now, um, basically, they've got a half-fit uh, Teddy Bridgewater in a quarterback um, that came into that game. So their third, their third man, Thompson, he went down. He did. He, he had kind of average stats: seven of thirteen for eighty-nine yards. Teddy B came in throwing bombs and bombs down the field: twenty-three of thirty-four 
329 yards. He mm. did get the two picks as well, which they, they weren't great to watch, but the two touchdowns as well. They, they didn't get the run game going whatsoever, did they? And we, we keep talking about how important it is to have that run game. Um, yeah. Raheem Mostert, 14 carries, 49 yards, not much. Teddy B managed to get a first down. I think it was a first down from Murray with his one carry. Um, but apart from that, Tyreek Hill targeted, targeted, targeted. Fine, you know, 12 receptions, 177 yards. But it was a tight end that ended up getting the two uh, catching touchdowns. Mike Gazicki, yeah, uh, for six receptions, sixty nine yards. But then on the other side of the ball, like you said, the Vikings just doing what they standard standard do. Um, Dalvin Cook decided to show up for this game. Thirteen carries, seventy seven yards, couple big runs there. Uh, you got one rushing touchdown as well. But Justin Jefferson again, another hundred yard game. So when you don't put everyone on him and cover him vigorously with a, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He's going to do that too. Six receptions, 107 yards. Uh, Adam Thielen got a touchdown. Um, I think was the other one, Irv Smith? Adam, Adam Thielen was so wide open in the end zone. I saw that, yes. It, and it, he nearly, you nearly <laughs> miss him? <laughs> nearly. He was yeah. so wide open. You'd have thought that there was just nobody playing defense in the end zone. Mm-hmm. He looked like, obviously, from the cam- from that camera yeah. angle, he's just waving and waving. And, yeah. and then like, come on, Gary, get the ball over here. It didn't look like there was a, a Dolphins player within 10 yards of him. It wasn't. That's the thing. It, it was really weird. I know, obviously, it was blown coverage. But who, who was meant to be there? Because it was three or four on, you know, slightly off center on that side. But none of them were going towards him. They just couldn't see him. It, it was like he kind of he must have looked camouflaged to them against <laughs> like the the wall or something. But it was it was that that's one of the weirdest plays I've seen. But it's not it salute might, to service month, is it? Yeah, uh, the, the camouflage on. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know what kind of um, armed forces are in a sort of really dark purple. <laughs> there, there's not a lot that go into combat with the dark purple uniforms know. on. I don't know. But yeah, they, I mean, they, they got the job done. That that's that tends to be the Vikings' way. They tried to run the ball. Kirk Cousins did what he wanted to uh, with a, do- a, a below-average Dolphins team. And Dolphins, after their magnificent, yeah, kind of explosive start to the season, almost they were three and zero. They're now three three losses in a row uh, to the Bengals, to the Jets. I mean, they've scored 15, 17, and 16 points in the last three games, conceding 27, 40, and 24. Yeah. So that needs to change. That that They need to sort that. It's not just the offense. Obviously, they're, well, there's Tua, who looked pos- potentially set to start uh, re- returning from the concussion protocol. Um, that's uh, on primetime against the Steelers. So... Uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch out for. And if it's not him, it will be Teddy B. Um, but yeah, the Dolphins need to turn it around. I don't think their defense has stepped up either. No, I don't think so at all. Um, so moving on, we then come to the Carolina Panthers, the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium. Dave, I'm not going to talk about this because I know it's your team. So I'll, I'll be handing it over to you very, very shortly, just quickly to say that the Rams came away with a 24-10 victory. And to be honest, it never really looked close. Uh, so Dave, happy man? Ish. Um, I mean, all things considered, yes. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, we've another injury to our offensive line uh, came from that game. And I, I'm afraid that's going to be the main point of this. Because our left tackle, who took over from Andrew Whitworth, Joe Notebloom, is now out for the season with a torn Achilles. So that's a big loss. 
we put one of our young guys over. No, I, I don't know if he's even that young, but Alaric Jackson. Now, he's been brought in to bump up our offensive line, who have, uh, it's been relatively poor. He looked like Andrew Whitworth reincarnated. And if Noteboom had not gone down when he did, I would be worried that it would have been an, another few sacks for Stafford and another couple turnovers. Because that is the impact that that man came and made for us. I think he was a difference in that game. So we six, we, we had eight offensive line on our roster going into week one. Six of them are now out injured. That's how bad the situation is. But one of the other things that keeps happening and has been keep and kept happening all season is Matt Stafford keeps throwing the ball to the other team. And he did it again to Dante Jackson, who then returned it for a touchdown <laughs> in the second quarter and put the Panthers 10-7 up at the half. Now, that just needs to stop happening for someone of Stafford's caliber. And every week you hear it when he's mic'd up. Oh, sorry, that one's on me. That one's on me. Stop it then. Stop <laughs> throwing it to the other team. What is wrong with you? You're paid nine figures to go and throw it to people in the same color outfit as you. It's not hard. Stop doing it. It's oh, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed. But you know, we, we did, <laughs> <I> can tell. <laughs> we came away with the win. There was a, f- a few bright sparks. Alan Robinson, a couple fantastic catches, one on one. Stafford just looked to him every time he's one on one. Looked to him. He's a monster of a wide receiver. I, I he, said this when they signed him. Yes, said it, and he was wasted in Chicago. Yes. Did you see his touchdown mm-hmm. against against Panthers? Because he mm-hmm. he, he just. It, it was no contest. It was it was like Megatron over like no offense, but we, do we call him a, a small people? We'll say some yeah, some with dwarfism. That's what it was like. Okay, right, okay. Thin line, but the the point I want to make though is that the Rams do not look like the Rams, even though we're winning. We're winning against the Panthers. We won comfortably. There's a lot of things going on. We have an offensive line that has been patched up like the mummies of Egypt. We've got Cam Akers, who does not want to be there anymore. He's just not performed since his bad injury. He There's been trade rumours that we've made an offer to the Panthers after we've just beat them, so I don't think that's going to get accepted anytime soon, that we've made an offer that includes Cam Akers and draft picks for Christian McCaffrey, which would help our problems but not solve them. But if we could get that, that would be incredible. We had a, an undrafted rookie come in as um, well as part of the kind of run back uh, squad. Uh, we had Daryl Henderson who rushed in for a touchdown. He looked good. Uh, Malcolm Brown returning to the team uh, after he was in last season, and, and he's come back after um, being a free agent. Um, ben Skoronic is now going to have to get his hair cut because he scored a touchdown, and he said <laughs> once he scored a touchdown, he was then going to get his hair cut. Uh, I think there was a few excited uh, members of the Rams, uh, you know, really excited about that. Ramsey had a great game. Donald was triple and quadruple covered as per usual. Look, we came away with the win, but um, it wasn't the most comfortable until until the kind of second half where we settled down a little bit and the Panthers just didn't really look like much. Um, Stafford needs to just stop throwing the ball away for goodness sake. But um, the only good thing, only one sack allowed. Yes, indeed. And then uh, moving on, we come to the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals at Lumen Field. And the oh, the Cardinals were appalling in this game. Bad, they really bad. were rotten. 
The Seahawks come away with a 19-9 victory. By all rights, this should have been a 45-point blowout because the Cardinals could just do nothing right. But the Seahawks, for the first time, I'm not going to say he struggled. Geno Smith, 20-31, 197 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked five times. He was hit a lot. Uh Kyler Murray, on the other side of the field, he was sacked six times. Uh, the, the numbers, 23-37-2-2-2 for Kyler Murray, no touchdowns, one pick, but they just couldn't seem to get anything going. He was their entire offense. He rushed for 100 yards himself. Kyler Murray did everything. It looked like Kyler Murray versus the Seahawks. And the, the, the rest of the Cardinals team just did not show up at all. Very, very poor. Dave, what did you make of this one? This was pushing the Bears-Commanders game for the worst game of the weekend. It was horrible to watch. It was painful and it was not it was not a skillful game, shall we put it like that. Calamari, 10 carries for 100 yards, 23 or 37 throwing for 222 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Kyler didn't look great. They could not run the ball. When not including Calamari, they rushed 18 carries for 44 yards. Not good enough. He targeted Zach Ertz, seven, oh, seven receptions for 70 yards for Ertz. Hollywood Brown, five for 68. Uh, they also had Rondell Moore. Um, he got six, six receptions for 49 yards. AJ Green, two receptions for seven yards. Not looking great. I, I'm, I think, I genuinely, genuinely think it's Cliff Kingsbury. I, I, I think he could be one of the issues there. Kyler is do he's he's doing what he can with the minimal that he's got. However, in saying that, Kyler Murray has uh, for next week has two new weapons on on in his arsenal. DeAndre Hopkins is coming back, and they've also traded with the Panthers for Robbie Anderson. So yeah, the, ex- actually, the excuses the excuses are done. Completely forgot to mention that in in the the Panthers game. Mm-hmm. completely forgot Robbie Anderson Rob, yeah forgot about that myself Ro- yeah. Robbie Anderson um, appeared to get in some sort of verbal alter- altercation with uh, one of the offensive coaches um, I'm going to be honest I can't remember which one it was yeah um, I think it was the wide was, receivers coach was I it think, the wide receivers yeah. coach I think there so. was a lot of uh, jawing going on backwards and forwards and then the next thing you know um, he's been kicked out of the game by his own coach Robbie Anderson he was not happy. Yeah. He was not a happy man at all. Um, I don't know what was said. I don't know what happened, but um, clearly a lot of unrest there because, as you've said, Robbie Anderson's no longer um, a Panther going for the Cardinals. Having DeAndre Hopkins back will be... Uh, that's like Christmas come early for Kyle yeah. Murray. A lot of people... Um, maybe not a lot of people, but some people definitely, including some people that I know... Don't these? It's almost like they forget how good DeAndre Hopkins is. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins uh, is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. You could argue top three. I firmly believe that. Um, look, what, what? Why would compare him to? Um, you you look at what um, what what uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams accomplished together. Right now, he Devontae Adams. He's a special wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is as good as Devontae Adams. I, I think I, I generally think he's that good. And when he was at the Texans uh, with Deshaun Watson, they got to the play. They were they were doing so well. They didn't they get to the playoffs one year? 
Uh, yeah, they they, they went. Yeah, they, they, they ran into the juggernaut Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, they did. Um, yes, but DeAndre Hopkins is is a special special talent, and mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe he's a top, he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Yes. Um, now it might take him a week or two to get going. I don't think it will because I think he's a consumer professional, uh, and I think he's probably kept himself in shape. And is just going to be ready to go right out of the gates. And it would not surprise me if uh, Kyler Murray immediately starts targeting DeAndre Hopkins to get that feel back and then go, right, they, they, we've got this going again. Because uh, they, they need that. They, they're going yeah, to need it going they, forward. They do. But, uh, you know, obviously Kyler keeps dropping back to pass all the time. They're not trying to run the ball, the Cardinals. Not really, anyway. And if Kyler does, it's, it's you know, maybe two. He said before the game that he wanted to run the ball a bit more. Fair enough, he did it. 10 carries for 100 yards. However, not all of them were intentional carries. Okay, um, So the, the Cardinals are wanting to be a throw-first team. They're not wanting to really run the ball. They've got five wide receivers who are all amazing talents now. Mm-hmm. And they've also got Zach Ertz at, t- at tight end. Um, the running back, uh, is it Eno Benjamin? I think so. He wa- He's a really good receiving back as well. So that gives them seven weapons to target, right? Now, how they're going to fit those five wide receivers into it. So they've got Hollywood Brown. Now, Hollywood Brown is a really fast, probably a slot receiver more than anything else. Or if he is going to run, he's going to just going to bomb it down the line, right? You've got DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. You've got AJ Green. Now, AJ Green, his name speak for, speaks for himself. He's been in, he's 34 years old now, so he might not play quite as much. But he's a massive talent. They've also got Rondell Moore. Now, Ron, Rondell Moore, he's, uh, he's I think, only his second year maybe in the league. But he is another huge talent. They've got five wide receivers there that are just, they, you know, they're, they're really talented players. I don't know how they're all going to fit them in. But <laughs> the excuses for the Cardinals are now out. They lost to a poor Seahawks team. It was a proper Pete Carroll performance. We're saying that about Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, that they like these scrappy games where they, you know, it comes into the key moments and they just get over the line. We don't like Pete Carroll. We don't really like Belichick either, but we respect Belichick. We can move on from from uh, Pete Carroll. <laughs> but, you know, they, they managed to get the run game going as well, the Seahawks. So the Seahawks somehow are 3-3. Three and three. I don't know how. But they are. I, I know how they got their first one, but we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> right, I'll tell you what, we'll do. Let's move, let's move very swiftly yes, on yes. to uh, one of the most anticipated games on the calendar uh, for the entire year, let alone this week. It was the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. 73,500 fans packed out to see Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, and they were not disappointed. Wasn't quite as high scoring as some people had said. Uh, Tony Romo predicted it bang on. Don't know how he keeps oh, doing that. What a legend. And uh, the Buffalo Bills came away with a 24-20 win. It came right down to the last minute. Patrick Mahomes uh, threw a very untimely interception to end the game. Um, but take that interception from Mahomes away. That was his second one of the game. This was one of the most entertaining games I've seen in a long time. And watching Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, I, would, I could watch this four times a season happily from a a neutral point of view i love it and you know the weird thing is one of the difference makers von miller ended two drives 
ended two drives. Von Miller was all over the place in this game. And when he wasn't actually sacking Mahomes, he was haranguing him, he was rushing him. And Josh Allen, is, he is bawling. He's something else. I, I, before this season, I was always a fan of Josh Allen, but I didn't think that he'd be he'd be able to keep up what he did last year. If anything, he's better than he was last year. Josh yes. Allen is just sensational. Uh, and the Bills came away with a 24-20 win. Dave, uh, what a game. This this game was, uh, from a neutral point of view, was brilliant. Now, the score does not give an accurate assessment of the game. The only thing accurate about it is that it was very close. Now, 830 yards of offensive yards between the two teams. That is massive. And they were. It was exciting. Even the run, the run game for the Bills. Um, Singletary, seventeen carries for eighty-five yards. Josh Allen had twelve carries for thirty-two yards as well. Edwards Hilaire couldn't really get going on the Chiefs' side. Was, that was a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, it was. <sighs> just what you were saying about Von Miller. Do you right? Cast your mind back. The la the last interception for Mahomes. Who hurried mm -hmm. him? Mm -hmm. Who pressured him? Yep, Von Miller. It was Von Miller was pulling spin moves that would be that should be on Strictly Come Dancing, <laughs> right? That that is how amazing. So I was watching him intently to see what he was doing. See, the now, thing he, is, yeah, the thing is that you you've seen what Von Miller can do firsthand. Oh yeah, right. I've seen it clearly from all the years of Denver. When the Bills signed Von Miller, I said at that point. That that might be the final piece that they need to go on and win a Super Bowl. Because and, and a lot of people say, oh, but he's not going to play that much. Von Miller doesn't need to play that much. Yeah. He at, at the biggest times, the biggest players step up and make their mark. And Von Miller has done it on the biggest stage of all. And he continues to do it. And it's just you're right, Dave. You, you watch him every time he's on the field. And he's not on the field that often. He doesn't take that many snaps. Mm -hmm. But every time he's on, you're looking at him. <laughs> What's he going to do? And he continues to make offensive linemen look stupid. And it's, average. Yeah, yeah, look yeah, average. Below average. Yeah. 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 The, the, other, the other thing that I picked up as well, um, when, when you were saying that uh, about the, you know, that, that Bob Miller could be the piece that was missing for the Bills, what what they tried to do as well was uh, go for the run game. You know, to, maybe just to set up uh, Josh Allen a little bit as well. If Josh Allen couldn't really uh, get the pass game going, they would have a, a good uh, run game. They they did run the ball well in this one, but they don't really need to anymore. Look at look at the receivers. Stephon Diggs in that game alone, ten receptions for one hundred and forty eight yards and a touchdown. Gabe Davis. Three receptions, 74 yards. And yeah, he had a magnificent deep ball as well. Mm -hmm. Dawson knocks a tight end uh, at the, for the, the last touchdown um, coming in. He got three receptions for, for, for 37 yards. Um, they've, they've got weapons on offense. But then on the defense as well, they, some of the plays, they were making Patrick Mahomes look just a little bit ordinary. And that was really impressive as well. So no mean feat. It's not. I, it, not many teams have been able to do that. But... You know, from an offensive side of view, the Chiefs averaged 
per play, 6.3 yards. The Bills averaged 6.2 per play. <laughs> On third down, they were both 4 of 11, right? And, you know, they... they Obviously, Mahomes was sacked three times, two by Vaughn Miller. The other one was basically caused by Vaughn Miller. Um, Josh Allen was sacked once. It's a few penalties, nothing too, nothing too big, nothing too untoward. But what a game! The twenty-four twenty scoreline doesn't. It, it could have been. It could have been a scoreline that eclipsed the Rams Chiefs game a few years ago when it was fifty-six fifty-three. It, it was. It was that good a game. But I think the defense have stepped up a few times. And yeah, it, what what a game! I could rewatch it a couple times. Um, uh, the other thing as well for the Chiefs going forward, Harrison Butker, welcome back. He made I think it was a fifty-eight yard field goal right at the end of the first half, mm. and the Chiefs were pumped after that. I, I think someone deflated their balloon a little bit for the second half, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they they came they came out firing. Uh, they went in really pumped up after a huge field goal for Butker. Um, but of course. He then missed a field goal in the third quarter, which was a bit more easier. But yeah, yeah was, welcome it, back, Harrison Badker. Yeah, it was, it was actually a sixty-two-yard field goal. As ta- <laughs> Just time, going for the time yeah. expired in in the second. The, the other thing was when when the when Gabriel Davis caught the, his touchdown pass. There was sixteen seconds to go in the first half. Yeah, sixteen. That's right, yeah, and then I think everyone was like, "Well, let's see what Patrick Mahomes can do." Now you wouldn't do that with any other. It's so, nope. I mean, I I know the Chiefs didn't win this game, and I know you know Josh Allen was spectacular, but I don't think even with Josh Allen back there, if the Bills got the ball with sixteen seconds, you were like, okay, let's go down, score, let's see what they do. I don't think you expect it, but with Mahomes, you're kind of expecting it now. So I think if they hadn't done anything with sixteen seconds, you'd have been surprised. But mm-hmm. and you're like, how? I don't know. It's just these two quarterbacks are. Just that it's it's ridiculous how good they are. And I know there are other great quarterbacks in the league, particularly in the AFC, good young quarterbacks. We'll talk about Joe yeah. Burrow. Um, we'll talk about Justin Herbert in just a little bit. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen appears to be the only person, the only quarterback right now who can sort of challenge Mahomes for being the best quarterback in the NFL at the moment. I still give the edge to Mahomes. I think in this case... The Bills' defense was better than the Chiefs' defense was. Um, I still give the edge to Mahomes, uh, but I, it's it's too close to call, and I just love watching these two guys play, and I hope to continue to watch these two guys play each other for many, many years to come. So Amen. moving on, Dave, we then come to the Monday, the not the Monday night, the Sunday night game, Sunday Philadelphia night. Eagles, Dallas Cowboys at Lincoln Financial Field, and the Eagles, wouldn't you know it, they are 6-0, 26-17 win over the Dallas Cowboys. And what can you say, really? Uh, Jalen Hurts was efficient. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything spectacular. Two touchdown passes, a rating of 104.6. is 15 of 25 at 155 yards. So nothing spectacular from Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. but more than enough uh, to win that game. Dave, what did you think? Eagles, Cowboys? I did watch this game, um, and it was... The Eagles looked like they were, they were they should win the Super Bowl in one quarter. They, they, that's that's how much they just completely outplayed the Cowboys in, that, in the second quarter. Now, bear in mind, at the end of the first quarter, it was 0-0, okay? 
by half time, so that's just one more quarter, the Eagles were 20 points to three up. Now, they, they were, um, Jalen Hurts, during the game, he, his, his stats are okay, 15 155 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked four times, though, which, uh, because the Cowboys' offense, uh, offense line, defensive line, with my, you know, led by Micah Parsons, were pretty impressive. But Jalen Hurts did just enough to be, like you said, efficient, but also to get them over the line. Because there was a few moments where you kind of questioned, um, was he going to do the right thing, make the right choice? But you know what? The Eagles, are, they've got it. They've got something that it's just, it's clicking. It's clicking so much. AJ Brown, um, don't forget they've got Dallas Goddard at a tight end. They've also got Devontae Smith. Um, made to, he got touched in as well for him rightly. Ma, um, what's it? Is it Ma, uh, yeah, Miles Sanders, the running back. Yeah, he also he, he f- fairly good. Um, eighteen carries for seventy one yards, uh, one touchdown. He also, like I said, I was saying about Saquon Barkley earlier. He was getting hit quite early on some of the plays. I think that maybe that offensive line is just ever so slightly being questioned a bit more. He was getting hit a bit early, but he managed to get those extra couple yards and then that converted into uh, first downs. But the Cowboys, they left themselves too much to do. Mm. Cooper Rush got found out just a little bit. And I, he hadn't, I don't think he had thrown a pick this season, Cooper Rush. However, that changed against the Eagles, and he ended up throwing three touchdowns, 18 of 38 for 181 yards, one touchdown, three picks, which was just not ideal and not what they needed in that game. However, what the Eagles did is a little bit worrying in the third quarter. Now, their total offense was six total yards. They, however, had two first downs. Now, that doesn't really make sense because you need 10 yards to get one first down. So somehow they got two, tu- two first t- uh, downs in that third quarter. The Cowboys gave away penalties, four penalties totaling 32 yards and automatic first downs. That is how the Cowboys shot themselves in the foot. You know, you, uh, that, that, that's no pun about Cowboys and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, the, the Cowboys tried to shoot down. The Eagles end up shooting them at their own foot uh, w- with the penalties in that game. Penalties killed the game for them. Um, and yeah, they, I mean, they, the Eagles did enough and they, their defense did enough in the backfields. Defensive line weren't fantastic. Good protection for Cooper Rush, but Cooper Rush ended up throwing the ball away three times so yeah the the cowboys they're four and two they're still having a good season considering what's been happening to them the eagles though are heading for the for, for number one in the nfc i didn't see that coming did nope. you see that coming absolutely not just like <laughs> no absolutely did not see that coming at all it's just yeah. it's it's quite surprising but Fair play to them. Philadelphia Eagles, 6-0. My goodness. So, Dave, we should move on now. All right, coming to the Monday night game. The uh, did you, First of all, did you watch this game? You know what? I did watch this game. Yeah, in that, in I, that I, case, I, um, I will see the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Denver Broncos 19-16 in overtime at SoFi Stadium. Dave, I'll put it to you first before I say anything. Now, we spoke about this very briefly on Monday. Okay. Uh, sorry. Well, on Tuesday we spoke about this. Now, um, obviously, I think you you might be on. You you were going to have a bit of a later shift, so you were going to save it. Yeah. Uh, for a little while. Yeah. So, so you're gonna you're gonna watch it. Now, 
the first quarter looked really, really promising. And I thought that while I was watching this game. We were 10-0 up at the, at, the, for, at the end of the first quarter, the Broncos. Your, uh, I think he's a uh, young tight end. Is that, is that what we would call him? Greg uh, Dulcich. Greg Dulcich. Now, he yeah. looks really good. He, made, he got a touchdown. He also got another pass uh, that was really good. He made some good route runs, uh, a couple of good blocks as well. He played pretty well. Russell Wilson didn't look terrible, he, he, but it all went really, really wrong. And one of the main points that I picked up on was the penalties and the penalties on both sides. They were stupid penalties. However, there was one that I picked up on, a Bradley Chubb roughing the passer, which was not roughing the passer whatsoever. That was ridiculous, yep. but obviously cost the Broncos quite big. However, the Broncos in total, 10 penalties for 151 yards. Now, that's not going to win your football game. Go on the other side of the game uh, to the other team, the Chargers, nine penalties for 89 yards. The flag was out more then the teams were rushing. It was just, it was weird. But some of, I mean, the amount of plays in the game, the game went to overtime. It should never have gone to overtime, but it did go to overtime. So in, uh, the, the amount of plays for the Chargers in the game on offense, 83 plays. The Chargers just kept choking at the vital times. The, the, the Broncos, the defense is carrying them and making them look respectable at this point, which I, I'm sorry to say, it's, it's just the blunt truth. But four sacks from Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson looks shocking. It's, it's, and the play calling, the amount of times it was fourth and tiny. So fourth and one, fourth and two. Now, I counted three or four times. In my, in my notes, I've got it written down in front of me, three or four times that the, the, um, the Broncos were fourth and one or fourth and two, and they punted it, including in the fourth quarter, when they were on the Chargers' 39-yard. Now, that would equate to, I think it's around a 55, 56-yard field goal for... 56, yeah. 56-yard. Yeah. Now, you've got a good kicker. Mm-hmm. Why not attempt the kick? I don't understand that. And if I'm not right, did, did they not wind the clock down so they were another five yards back? Yeah. Yeah. It's that a, it, upset it, it, me. That upset me. And it was the, the only bright spots in a performance that the Broncos should have walked this game. Their defense held them. Uh, you know, held, held their, high, their, their heads up high. But the, the offense were shocking. And the play calling was shocking. Russell Wilson was shocking. The two bright sparks for the Broncos was Greg Dulwich, Greg uh, a tight end, and in defense, the man who was everywhere Alex Singleton at linebacker who had 19 tackles and two assists in the game now that that that's amazing but yeah the 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 coaching the play calling the quarterback I'll hand it over to yourself because I'm not going to focus on the Chargers the Broncos could just basically hurt themselves in that game Justin Herbert didn't look great and well the Broncos paid for their own sins so I'll hand it over to yourself yeah Justin Herbert didn't look great in fact, he, he, didn't. he looked distinctly pedestrian. And I yes. think a lot of that is down to um, Edgero Evero's defensive scheme. Once yes. again, this defense, this Broncos defense, and you, you mentioned Alex Singleton, and he was everywhere. You're absolutely Player right. of the game. Player of the game. Um, we also, honourable mention to Pat Sertan, the second. They matched up with Mike Williams, 
virtually the entire game. He gave up one catch for four yards. Um, Pat Sertan is legit. We all know this. It's all pro. Um, Baron Browning was in the backfield constantly, and he had an interception as well. He did fumble it, but he he did get an interception. Baron Browning, no, absolutely no faults on the defense. The the Broncos have the the fourth-ranked defense in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Number four. Rightly. Now, the... Here's a couple of stats for you. The Denver Broncos um, have scored 91 points this season in six games offensively. That's just over 15 points per game with this supposed great offense that we were expecting coming into the uh, coming into the season from from the offseason. Uh-huh. Um, you mentioned Brandon McManus, the kicker. Brandon yes. McManus has scored 47 of those 91 points. That's over half. Yeah, our kicker, Brandon McManus, has scored over half of the entire team's points. It's appalling. I said, and I say this every week, (laughs) every week I say this, Nathaniel Hackett should be fired. And very much like when you were talking about the Rams and you'd said, you know, Stafford saying, oh, that one's on me. That one's on me. Stop Mm -hmm. doing it. Nathaniel Hackett does this at every presser after every game. Oh, we've just got to be better, and that starts with me. Yeah. Yeah, that starts with you. You need to be better. Well, I don't know what he's... I don't know what he thinks is going to happen in these games. But it's not working, and he needs to just stop... Whatever it is he's doing, he has to stop doing it. Now, in the first quarter, Broncos scored 10 points in the first quarter. Russell Wilson was 10 out of 10 for 116 yards and a touchdown. I did, yeah. I remember that, yeah. The, the best he's looked all year, by, by far and away. And then it all fell apart. It just nothing. Russell Wilson, there were, there were times where Russell Wilson was looking straight at a, a receiver who was wide open and didn't throw the ball to him. There was one instance, one instance, where you mentioned Greg Dulcich, the tight end. Yeah. And I think it was third and two, or third and three, Greg Dulcich. And I believe it was Tro- it was a Troy Aikman who was doing the the, the analysis. Troy Aikman so, yeah. said, he actually yeah. circled him before the play. Let's yeah, see what, let's see what, they, let's see that, what yes. they dial up for Dulcich. And Dulcich comes in around, stands in front of Russell Wilson with no one than five yards of him, and he's six yards deep. And Russell Wilson looks at him and then throws a ball to KJ Hamlet, who's double covered, and it gets knocked incomplete. And you're thinking, what are you doing? Why are you throwing a 10, 15-yard pass to someone who's double covered when you need two yards and you've got a guy five yards deep with no one around him. Do you not understand how this game works? Now, this is Russell Wilson. This is a... He's a, he's a pro bowler. Eight times he's been to the pro bowl. Mm-hmm. And he, all of a sudden, he can't see a reason. And it's not like, you know, his center was in his way. Russell Wilson had a clear line of sight to his receiver. Six yards. You only need two... And he 
didn't throw to him and he tried to throw a 25-yard pass to KJ Hamlin double coverage. It's like, why are you trying to do that? Your defence is playing out of its skin to keep you in games. And this is what you do. Now, that's on Russell Wilson. And some of the some of the plays, some of those bad passes, Darren Russell Wilson. I'm going to give you another scenario here. I counted three separate occasions mm-hmm. where the Broncos um, on first down rushed for four yards and second down rushed for five yards. And ended up with three and one, third, third and one, sorry. And then um, tried to throw the ball and failed to convert third down. Now, this is, this is exactly what we were saying about Jacksonville. Jacksonville did this. They were running the ball and then they got away from it. You, you were, you, something was working and then you stopped doing it for no apparent reason. It's not like the, the defense had stopped you. You just decided to stop doing it. And, I, and I'll never, ever understand why teams do this. How many times, Dave, have you seen a team through all the years play a certain style of offense or a certain style of defense and it works and then you know with five minutes to go they change up and all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore and all of a sudden you're getting gashed for you know like oh well let's move to a prevent defense why they've not been able to pass on you the entire game why are you moving to a prevent defense and all of a sudden they're getting 10 15 yard chunks down the field and you think what are you doing here now, the Broncos' defense did not do this. They played the way they played the entire game and they shut this Chargers' offense down. The one thing that the Chargers could do was Austin Eckler was able to run up the middle early. Mm-hmm. And then Alex Singleton took a hold of the game <laughs> almost single-handedly and Eckler yeah. was was less um, effective. Um, Edgerio Evero has seen this. They're, they're running on us. This isn't what we're doing isn't working. So we'll change it to something that is going to work. And it worked. The offense did the exact opposite. What we're doing is working. Let's change it so it doesn't work anymore. And you think it's almost at the point, And I can't stress this enough. I've watched six games now from this team. And every single game... I'm looking at this, you know, just bemused at the decisions that are being made to the point where I'm starting to think it's like an inside job. It's it's like, you know, what are you... Do- Why would you do this? There, there's no reason for the Broncos to have lost four games. They, they should not be two and four. They are two and four, and they've deserved to lose every single one of them because of the play calling. Because of the the play of Russell Wilson. Now, I know there's been injuries and there's been some crippling injuries to this Broncos team. And even more after this game, they have lost a ton of players. I get that. That does not excuse the play calling. That does Mm -hmm. not excuse Russell Wilson not seeing a wide open player 10 yards in front of him. It, that's no, uh, having, you know, Tim Patrick being at home watching this on television is not an excuse for that. You can't say, I miss Tim because Tim Patrick's at home. You can't say, oh yeah, we rushed for five yards in first down and four yards in second down. We decided to throw it because Javonte Williams is injured. No. Latavius Murray was, was gaining good, good yardage. I was very impressed with Latavius Murray. And I'll tell you another, another thing, another thing that kind of got me and... I know I've been one of Melvin Gordon's detractors, right? Because Melvin Gordon fumbles. 
We've all said this. Yes. That's what he yes. does. We know, know Melvin Gordon fumbles. Yeah. Melvin Gordon in this game did not fumble. Do you know why Melvin Gordon didn't fumble in this game, I, Dave? See if you can take a guess I do. why he didn't fumble. Go on, what were because you Because he, he was only given the ball to run three times. Three times, and it appeared that that was all in like the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, in the first quarter, when, he, when he, the he Broncos then, were successful. And he then just sat there and did nothing. And you could see him walking up and down the sidelines shaking his head now i'm not saying that if melvin gordon had been in the bronx would have won this game because i honestly believe nathaniel hackett would have found a way for them to lose it and it doesn't matter we could have had barry sanders back there we'd have lost this game it wouldn't have mattered because i i don't know what nathaniel hackett is seeing when he's watching these games i am i am absolutely bemused and melvin gordon it's the chargers it's his former deal. You think he doesn't have a little extra uh, gas going on under the fire there? You don't think mm-hmm. he's got a little extra motivation to be playing his ex-team? Melvin Gordon should have been absolutely in there. If he then fumbles, you can take him out. That, yeah, absolutely. But to, to not even give him a chance to play. And it was just... It, it was it was ridiculous. Russell Wilson started the game 10 of 10. For the rest of the game, he went 5 of 18 for 60 yards. From, from the second quarter, from the beginning of the second quarter to the end of the game. That's including overtime. This game went into overtime. Yeah. 5 of 18 for 60 yards. That is putrid. That is the most... Awful offensive output. This Denver Broncos team is the worst team that I have seen, that I've watched play since the Josh McDaniels era. In fact, it might be worse than that. I was going to say, it's it's a really close one between it's, the two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worse than Vance Joseph. And that was rough. That was hard to watch that team play. But at least you had the excuse there of, well, we don't have a Pro Bowl quarterback. You know, because <laughs> he didn't. Didn't have Pro Bowl mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Vance Joseph had, you know, he had Trevor Simeon and Brock Osweiler. That's yeah. who he had. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, Case Keenum and Joe Flacco and, and Mark Sanchez. These are the quarterbacks the Broncos have had. That That's a legitimate excuse for not being a very good team. Or, or not, not so much being a good team, but not winning many games. That That's a legitimate excuse. Quarterback's rubbish. Vic Fangio, Vic, oh my God, Vic Fangio. And just the worst quarterback play. We had Brandon Allen playing quarterback. We had uh-huh. Kendall Hinton, the wide receiver, playing quarterback for Vic <laughs> Fangio. We've had, we had, we had two stints of Drew Locke, another stint of Brock Osweiler. Meanwhile, Pete Carroll is sitting there in Seattle laughing his behind Backside. off. yeah. Because the Broncos can't just, you know, can't... They were talking about, oh, maybe to trade for, for uh, Christian McCaffrey. Well, first of all, what with? You don't have any draft picks because you gave them all for Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Secondly, running back's not the problem here. Having Christian McCaffrey is not going to make... The, the problem is the play calling. The play calling is appallingly bad. I guarantee you, I absolutely guarantee you, if you gave me a month 
shadowing an offensive coordinator in the NFL, I could call better plays than Nathaniel Hackett is doing. I, gu- I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Guarantee. If anyone wants to take me up on that, go ahead. Because what he- Nathaniel Hackett is doing is he is killing this Broncos team from the inside. It's starting to look like he's doing it on purpose. That's what it's looking at. Now, I'm not saying he's doing it on purpose, but mm-hmm. by God, it looks like he is because this stinks. It's putrid and it absolutely stinks. Next week, the Broncos are playing the high-flying Jets. The Jets. Now, before the season started, I looked at that. That's a win for playing the Jets. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't pick the Broncos to win this game. Even in my life. I can't pick them to beat the Jets in my high. Can't do it. Following week, you've got the Jaggers. In London. I'm, I'm going to that game. Yeah. I will yeah. be in Wembley. I'm kind of sorry about tickets now. <laughs> it's going to be... Listen, yeah. it's it's going to be a, a, a good... It's always... I've been there to London a few times. And I've seen the Broncos play the 49ers. Um... And it's it's a, it's a great time, you know. You go to the the tailgating and that. And there was one year in Trafalgar Square, and there was another year we were somewhere else. And it was great. All the tens of thousands of fans wearing all the the colours and that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm not looking forward to? The game. Yeah, the actual the actual game. That, yeah. that 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 could be the worst part of the entire trip down to London. Um, so there's that. Now the other thing, the other thing about the, about the game. So I'm I'm off. I'm finished <laughs> talking about Nathaniel Hackett. Who should be fired? If he makes it to the end of this year, um, that there's something wrong. He should. They should just get rid of him. Get rid of him now. They should, they should get rid of him. Yeah. They should get rid of him. Um, or after the London games, leave him in London. because <laughs> uh, you've got a bye week. You get another coach in. Uh, she's got two weeks to prep. There you are. I'll do it. Give me two weeks to prep. I'll be better than Nathaniel Hackett. I could call. A, I could call better plays. I'll tell you that. I wouldn't even no, need to know the plays. I wouldn't. I'd just go up to Russell Wilson and say, give me five pass plays, five run plays. Five. Five each. That's it. That's all I need. And, and I'm not saying we're going to win lots of games, but I'll tell you what, that offense will be better than it was under Nathaniel Hackett. And with this defense, with this defense, the Giants won a Super Bowl in 1990 with Jeff Hostetler, a quarterback. Do you know how they won that game? Because they had a really good defense. defense uh-huh. And... They didn't make horrendous errors offensively. Offensively, they didn't do much at all. But they didn't, you know, just cause the... They didn't have the worst play calling of all time. Yeah. Which the Broncos have. The other thing uh, that I was I was really, 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 really annoyed with was the referees. Now, referees can get things wrong. I understand that. They can make calls. Phantom call on Bradley Chubb, yeah. Uh, missed face mask on Greg Dolcich on the sidelines. Uh, that was her. I don't know how. The, the referee was standing, standing five yards away uh, while Dolcich's head is getting ripped around by his face mask and didn't throw a flag. So, you know, there. The final, in overtime, the Chargers punted. And Montreal Washington goes up and signals for a fair catch. I forgot to mention that, yeah. And one of the Chargers players, one of the Gunners, I suppose you would call them, um, blocks one of the other Broncos players into Montreal, Washington. He falls over, ball hits him, Chargers get the ball in Broncos 
territory, kick a field goal, game's over. That's it. Now, I was always of the opinion, because I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, because I, I looked back at the rule book, because I do that sometimes. <laughs> Bedtime reading. Yeah. And uh, if once a player is signaled for a fair catch, there's certain things you're not allowed to do. First of all, you're not allowed to hit them. Can't do that. We signal yes. for a fair catch. He that that's that is a that is a, a contract between him and the and the covering guys. I'm not going to try and advance this. Don't hit me, please. That's all that is. So once he signal for a fair catch, you're not allowed to hit him. Do you know something else you're not allowed to do? You're not allowed to push another player into him. That's a flag. Uh-huh. It's exactly what happened. Should have been a penalty. Wasn't called for a penalty, and the Chargers get the ball. Because the Chargers had already had the ball in overtime, but they couldn't do anything against his defense. Broncos get the ball, they can't do anything. Chargers get, uh, Chargers get the ball, they can't do anything. Punt again. And it was a mistake. You, you could argue it was a mistake by, by um, Montreal Washington. He should have just like run away from it, not even tried to make the fade catch, because he was being well, they were closing in on him. Um, but it was a mistake by the officials as well. And that's it. The, the Broncos, Broncos lose the game, and it was. I'm. I I don't even look forward to watching these games anymore. Now I know a lot of neutrals will say that. Well, why would I look forward to watching the Broncos play? They're rubbish. <laughs> Imagine how it feels for a fan of the team. Uh, the it's, loyals. The lo- It's it's absolutely awful. It really, really is. Do you know something else that just popped into my head, right? There was a series, and I think it was in the second quarter, where the Broncos had, they ran two consecutive bubble screens. Both of them went for about minus five yards. For some reason, the Broncos can't run bubble screens. I don't know what it is, because this is a team that specialized in them. R.I.P. Demetrius Thomas. Yes. Specialized yes. for years. The bubble screen was one of the most effective plays we had. It worked with Peyton Manning. Uh-huh. It worked with Trevor Simeon. It worked with Brock Osweiler. Sometimes. It was, it was sometimes. But it was the one play that the Broncos would run well. And now, whenever the Broncos run a bubble screen, it goes for negative yardage. And like every time. I'm thinking... Stop doing that because you don't know how to do it. Figure it out and then bring it back. But for now, stop doing it. I again coaching. Coaching. That's a, that's a coaches. I am so envious. Honestly, the I like I say, I watched I watched like the Jacksonville game, Indianapolis, and I was so envious of both of those teams because they can execute a simple bubble screen. I'm jealous of that because the Broncos can't do it. I'm jealous of teams that can that can run a five-yard slant and complete it because the Broncos can't do that. They can't do it. I'm jealous of teams that can, you know, do a bootleg screen pass. The Broncos can't do it. They just can't. There has to be a reason why they are absolutely incapable of doing these simple plays. Now, I'm saying simple. I, I don't know exactly how they work, but every other team can do it. Mm-hmm. So it, it can't be that difficult. Yeah. The Rams are known for their screens. We're, we're constantly doing screens. And, you know, we've all, all Tom Brady got has been running this play for 22 20 years. years. Yeah. And it always seems to work. 
He gets the ball, he throws it out wide, receiver catches it, gains a few yards. Sometimes he'll break a tackle and gain more yards. Sometimes he'll go all the way for a touchdown. Mike Evans lives on bubble screens. <laughs> Broncos can't do it. I don't know why. I don't know why. But they can't. Anyway, Dave, uh, um, I think I've kind of gone over my, <laughs> over yeah, my time. I'll, I'll, I'll... I'll put I'll put one one more little thing that I did notice as well. Okay. Now also you've got Judy and KJ Hamler. Yeah. You know, they they're they're two of the main weapons on the Broncos mm-hmm. offense. What when they were getting the ball, it was either on medium or deep throws, right? Mm-hmm. Now look at all the other you've got your the the running backs that came in, the receiving backs, the tight ends. Every time they were getting the ball, it was sh- like short throws. They were only using their prime wide receivers for medium and deep throws, which is fair enough. You can do that. But they didn't try anything else. They weren't trying to throw many quick slants, you know, to, to the guys with the but best. The, the Broncos don't know receiving. what a slant is. They don't know what a slant exactly. is. Exactly. You've got, you've got the rough. Obviously, the Chargers are going to blitz every so often, right? The slant is the best way to attack. If, you, if you're dropping back to throw, quick slant, boom, there you go. You're, you're, you're almost guaranteed to get close to the first down line every time. Right, the the Broncos aren't doing that. I've yet I can't remember the last time I saw them do it. Their what main wide receivers are getting used for medium deep throws. The problem is that when they see the receivers going deep, the opposing team know to double cover them, which happened with KJ Hamler, hmm. and it, it's been happening with Judy as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. Jerry Judy is one of the most well known uh, receivers in the league, but they're not using their receivers to the full. For, to their full capabilities, they're not using it in short short plays. They're not using them effectively any any screens. They're just not using them well, and it's painful to see. And they need to get rid of their head coach, and they also yeah. need to actually put a bit more trust in Melvin Gordon. Obviously, he does. He has been known to fumble, but he's a lot better than just three this, carries. This was the one game they should have trusted Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Th- this game. I, just, just this one. Yeah, Murray was okay. He just he doesn't fine. seem to have a a big cut. Yeah, and Gordon, Melvin Gordon has a, a you know a kind of a bigger, um, kind of faster cut uh, up up the you know if he's going to change direction counter or whatever. But yeah, they just they Melvin Gordon. I, I feel bad for him because he was pushed for. He was told to go interview uh, or go to go answer questions from the media, and you could see how deflated he was. Russell Wilson. He's um, there's a rumor that he's now. If any player wants to contact him from his team, he has to go through his man. They have to go through the manager now. Mm. That's not uh, right. I, I that, understand. That's a I understand. big detachment. I think uh, he has a leg injury. He's got a hamstring he, injury. Got a hamstring injury. Yeah. And yes, he had, he had a lap injury that. previously. You're talking about they don't trust the players. The only player they do trust it seems to be Brandon. Mc- In fact, no, they don't. They don't even trust him because they, they wouldn't they kick a field too. goal from the 39 yard line of the Chargers in games when you know your defense is that good. When you know that your defense is going to force them to fight for every single yard. If you've got a chance at a field goal, you take it. Mm-hmm. You kick the field. And I'm not talking about 64 yards in Seattle. Not talking about that. This would have been 56 yards. Yeah. McManus has hit those many, many times. Yeah. So you trust you trust him to go for 64 from Seattle, but not 56 yards indoors? What? What? 
Again. Oh, I'm, I'm done. Right, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> let's <laughs> Yeah, let's <sighs> go on before you blow a gasket. Right, I'm, I'm right. Okay. <clears throat> so that is the end of a. That's the end of our week six recap. When we come back, we're going to have our week seven rapid fire uh, preview, and then we're going to have random stats. We'll speak to you after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm Ian McKinnon here with Dave Somerville and we've got a rapid, and because I took so long talking about the Broncos, rapid, rapid fire week seven preview. Uh, so we're going to start off, uh, Dave, with the New Orleans Saints at the Arizona Cardinals. Apologies to Jake for this one. I've got the Cardinals winning this one, 27-21. Go- you know what? I can't, I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints. I, I'm, I've got, I'm going to go with the Saints, ah, but I'm going right. to say it's, it's going to be 24 points to 23 we then have the Atlanta Falcons at the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think the Bengals will take care of business in this one. We've got a fairly comfortable win, 23-14. Oh, mine's much closer. It goes away the Bengals, but I'm going to go for 27-24 win for the Bengals. Oh. Uh, we then have an AFC North match between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. I've got the Ravens taking this one. Close one, though. I've got it 17-14. Okay, so I've got the Ravens also taking this, but it's going to be a little bit bigger of a scoreline. It's going to be 21 points to 14. We then have the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. And you know what? I think the Colts take care of business here. I've got them actually winning this one 24 to 23. Ooh, very close. I've got them 21 to 20. Oh, you got the Colts as well. Yes, I do. Hey, we then have the Detroit Lions at the Dallas Cowboys. Lions coming off the bye week there, and I've got the Lions actually beating the Cowboys in a scraper. Going into overtime, I've got the Lions winning 20-17. to 17. Oh, no, I've lost faith in the Lions, so I'm I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. <laughs> I'm going to say it's going to be a high-scoring one. I think it's going to be 35 points to 30. Wow. Again, we've got the Green Bay Packers at the Washington Commanders, and Dave, this is our upset of the week. Both going for the Washington Commanders, and I've got them taking this one 19 to 17. Ooh, I went for 16 to 13 on the Stramash podcast, and I'm sticking by that. So let's go, Commanders. Hey, hey. We think of the New York Giants at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've got the Jaguars winning at home, knocking the Giants down to 5 and 2. And I've got this one, a low scoring affair, at 14 to 10. Wow, I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring affair, but I'm going to back the Giants yet again because I'm going to go for our Giants win, 31 points to 24. 6-1 Giants, I like it. I love then it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. I think the Bucs will get back on track in this one. I've got them winning this one, 24-14. So I think the Bucs will have a bit of a bounce back against a very poor Panthers side, but I don't think they're going to put up many points. I think it's going to be 20 points to 10. We then have the Houston Texans at the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think the Raiders at home are going to put up a, uh, a few points on the Texans. Texans defense has looked good, though, but I still have the Raiders winning this from 28 to 21. Well, I've got 27 to 13 for the Raiders. I just, just think the Texans just don't have the offensive weapons. We then have the New York Jets at the Denver Broncos, and I'm sorry to say I'm picking the Jets for this one. I still think that Broncos defense is legitimate, but I don't think the offense could do anything. I've got the Jets winning this one 13-9. I've got the Jets winning it as well, I'm afraid. Uh, I, th- I think it's actually going to be a I think it's going to be a defensive masterclass from both sides, but I think Brees Hall 
and the emergence of the Jets offense is going to be the sort of deciding factor in this. And I think it could be the final nail in Nathaniel Hackett's coffin. I'm going to go for a 29 to 20 victory for the New York Jets. Oh, 29 points. That hurts. Uh, with that of the Kansas City Chiefs at the San Francisco 49ers. Always a good game, but I've got the Chiefs taking this one fairly comfortably, actually. Um, I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in Kyle Shanahan with that 49ers team. I've got the Chiefs winning 34 to 21. Well, at the moment, on the uh, betting line, the, the 49ers are getting about a three-point head start, which mm-hmm. isn't that much. But I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one as well, but I'm going to take it by a much larger score because you don't know what 49ers are going to turn up. And I think the Chiefs will have their number. So I'm going to go for a 31 points to 17 win for the Chiefs. Mm. Then the Seattle Seahawks at the Chargers. Chargers for the second consecutive home game. I don't think they'll have any problem against the Seahawks. I think they're just going to improve on what they did. Um, and I think Geno Smith will finally revert back to what we originally thought he was going to be. I've got the Chargers winning this on 27-17. Ooh, well, a surprising coming because I'm have, have the Seahawks taking this to overtime and beating the Chargers by 23 points to 20. We then have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Miami Dolphins. I've got this one going to overtime, and I've got the Steelers winning. And I've got a very close one. I've got them winning this one by 20 points to 17 in overtime. I have the same score, but in normal time, and going to the Dolphins. Because I think if Tua comes back, it's go- I think the Dolphins are going to be much better, much more improved. And I think the Steelers, there's, even though they won last week, they're just not quite good enough really so I think it's going to be 20.17 in normal time for the Dolphins and the final game on the Monday night we have a rematch of Super Bowl 20 the Chicago Bears and the New England Patriots um, I don't see anything anything from the Bears that makes me think that they could possibly win this game I think Belichick's going to have Justin Fields number the entire thing and I've actually got this being a bit of a blowout I've got the Patriots winning this one 35 to 10 I'm going to go for a low-scoring one, and I think it's it's actually going to be a really close one. Um, so I'm going to go for 15 points to 14 for the for the Patriots. So I think it's going to be very close. Justin Fields just not doing enough as per usual. No faith in Bailey Zappi. <laughs> I, I think he'll he'll get a few short uh, first downs and things like that. But yeah, I, th- I think the Patriots 15-14. And that was our rapid, rapid fire week seven prediction. So Dave, uh, we're just about out of time here, but we do of course have time for one last segment and it is random stats. Random stats. So um, would you like me to go first this week? Yeah, you crack on. All righty, I will. So um, as we have spoken about at length, the Denver Broncos played the Chargers um, on Monday night there and Justin Herbert did something um, that... Kyler Murray did earlier this year, actually. Justin Herbert threw 57 passes and didn't score a touchdown. Now, Kyler Murray actually did one better uh, back in the 25th of September. He threw 58 passes and didn't throw a touchdown. And it got me to thinking, what's the most passes ever thrown by a quarterback without scoring a touchdown? And two uh, quarterbacks are tied with this i'm not going to get you to guess so don't worry okay okay the record for most passes attempt most pass attempts in a game without throwing a touchdown dan marino and joe montana 60 wow 
I, I know of all the players. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a very exclusive class anyway. Joe Montana on the 17th of November 1986 threw 60 passes in a game, did not score a touchdown. That was uh, against the Washington, uh, now Commanders. Um, and on the 23rd of November 1997, Damarino threw 60 passes against the New England Patriots and did not throw a touchdown. Just a wee side note there, Montana completed 33 of his 60 passes for 441 yards and three picks. Um, and Dan Marino completed 38 of his passes for 389 yards and three picks. Also, both quarterbacks were sacked three times in those games. So, yeah, that's my random stat. Most, uh, most uh, attempted passes without a touchdown. 60, Dan Marino and Joe Montana. Of all the people, that's mm-hmm. a very exclusive stat, but yeah, I quite like that one. But uh, you know what? I'll, what my uh, it's m- more a random fact, and it's quite a, quite a nice fact because quite often we talk about players' legacies in the league. Now, I want to talk about a player that played for the Houston Oilers, the Houston Titans, and the Tennessee. No, sorry, the Tennessee Oilers and the Tennessee Titans. Kept getting them mixed up all the time. Now, um, I want to talk about Brad Hopkins. Now, Brad Hopkins was the left tackle uh, for the Oilers and the Titans. Uh, He was drafted in 1993 in the first round. Now, he actually played in 194 games in his career, and he was a two-time Pro Bowl. He also went to the Super Bowl uh, with the Titans when they did lose to Kurt Warner and the Rams. Um, However, the the connection that I I want to make for his legacy is that he now has a son that plays in the league. Now, his son, in some ways, has already eclipsed his father. So, his son is Bryson Hopkins. Now, Bryson Hopkins was a fourth-round pick by the LA Rams. And what did he then do? He was then part of the team that led the Rams to the Super Bowl last year and won. So... One key thing that I want to say about Bryson Hopkins is that he did not pick up a football until high school. He he was nowhere near it because his mother did not want him to play football while he was young, even though his father was a 305-pound, 6'5", left tackle, uh, all-pro, pro bowler, everything, you name it. The only thing he didn't do was win the Super Bowl, but he had an all-pro career. He was there all the time. This And then it, when he got to high school, what happened was that he was given the choice, would you like to play football or not? So he went, yes, he thought he'd try it. So he ended up playing at tight end and he ended up being a receiving tight end and he was fantastic in high school. He was then fantastic in college. He uh, ended up going to the Rams, getting drafted in the fourth round after a fantastic uh, college career. He was at Purdue College for four years. Um, he was at, he was actually named the Qualic Clark Tight End of the Year in 2019, which the, is a prestigious the, award. The, the, the what? The Qualic Clark Tight End of the Year. Okay. So, so uh, all other winners of this award include TJ Hawkinson. Now, we know of him, obviously, from the Lions. Um, there's been a few others as well, but um, uh, Dallas Clark was all, uh, is, is who it's named after, and Ted Qualick. Am I saying that right? I Ted don't know. How, how, are you, how are you spelling it? Well, he, uh, he was a tight end for the 49ers, the Philadelphia Bell, and the Oakland Raiders in the 70s. Now, he was also the seventh pick 
in the first round of the 1969 draft, Tadius Qualic. So there, there's a name for everyone to look up on. Really? But that's who it's named after, along with Dallas Clark. Now, we, we, we know about Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark was a tight end, uh, primarily with the Colts. And I think, he, didn't he go to the Bucks after the Colts, if I remember rightly? Um, but yes, that, 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 yes that, that, that's who the award is named after. But Bryson Hopkins received it the year after TJ Hawkinson did it. And Hawkinson is obviously really big with the Lions right now. So that's really good for him. Now, Bryson Hopkins, he attributes his size, his movement, and his appetite to his father. And, I, I mean, I don't blame him. He's, he's one inch shorter than his father. However, his father was also 70 pounds heavier on the field than he was. But you talk about legacies. You've got your father, all pro uh, left tackle, reached the Super Bowl. He played for an organization under three different names with the Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Oilers, and Tennessee Titans. Out comes Bryson Hopkins in the 2020 draft. 2021 picks up a Super Bowl. So the legacy is important for some of these guys. And Bryson Hopkins doing his dad proud as an LA Ram. There you are. That's a great wee story. I like that. A nice, it's a nice wee feel-good story to a Rams organization that sucks a lot right now. <laughs> You're half a year removed from the Super Bowl. Behave yourself. <laughs> right, Dave. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Dave, for joining. Not at all. It's been my pleasure. And uh, we will see you uh, next week on next week's edition of the WinFL Show. <laughs>